the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the early week college basketball betting preview. I'm Stucky and joining me, as always, BJ Cunningham and Mike Calabrese. Mike, how you feeling? Feeling good. I'm ready for my rants of the week, getting burned by an overtime session. I know that everyone here feels passionately about being on the wrong side of uh, bonus basketball, but I'll go ahead and, and stow that away for the right time in the pod. But overall, you know, pretty excited. BJ and I were talking before the episode began. You know, you don't want to wish away the month of February, but like March is like right there. And everyone from casuals to people who are betting every single day, we all realize the same thing, which is there is no sure thing right now in college basketball. So that has to make for an electric March madness. So I think we're all just kind of excited to get the the ball rolling and get into the month of March. Mike, there's a reason God made February the shortest month. BJ, how's it going? <laughs> exactly. I know it's uh it's going good. Uh, you know, again, just another weekend of chaotic college basketball. And I'm with Mike. I'm ready to get to March. There are no good teams. I, you know, I tell myself right now we're not going to find anything out through the rest of February, but you'll watch like Houston will go on a run now or or UCLA will go on a run and we'll be like, oh, are they the best team in college basketball? But I think we just got to stow it away in the back of our heads that again, this is one of the most chaotic college basketball years in a long time. And let's hopefully that uh, bears itself come March. Yeah. Well, I think you guys are a little too anxious. It's only February 6th. So we, we got, <laughs> we have a lot of uh, content and winners to find between now and the start of the madness. Um, let's today. We're going to just, we're going to cover the weekend. That was, we'll talk a little Duke, Miami, maybe cover some, Kansas, Texas. We'll give out some winners for tonight's card, and we'll get a little rant in there. It'll be a quick episode. I am up. I'm personally up in Philadelphia uh, visiting my mom for her 70th birthday. Happy birthday! So, um, might be a, a quicker episode. I'm recording from a closet, so if I sound like I'm not at my normal studio, that is why. Um, all right, let's get into... Let's start with the rant of the week because Mike it seemed like you were itching to get to that. Uh, and over, I don't nothing. There is nothing worse than an overtime loser. And I don't know if you're going to go Gonzaga because uh, you know we talked. I talked about the game big bets on campus live, and I said, and we talked about it on the podcast too. And I said I wanted St. Mary's live, which worked out for me. But I felt so bad for anyone that had an under or Gonzaga in that game and covered for the entire game. But I'll I'll stop if that. Is, I don't want to ruin your rant. Is that the rant? Yeah, I, I had under, you know, to essentially stick to my guns and to not be moved off of my position by the fact that, I mean, it opened at like 141. And I think by tip off, it was 137. I was like, I'm still going under 
for a game involving the Zags to be at, a, I think it was 122 at the end of regulation, I should get something for that. The, the fact that you can go under by 15 points in a, a And it was just so a dead low. under game the entire game. Exactly. And and then on top of everything else, then it's an electric factory in, in, in overtime, just people scoring left and right, foul shots, just everything was going in overs favor. So it, it was kind of drawn dead, even with like 90 seconds left. So yeah, just very frustrating. It, it doesn't seem, not that gambling is ever fair, but I, I think we've discussed this before. I would be happy to pay some kind of overtime insurance anytime that I'm playing what I would consider to be a low total on the under. Um, so sports books, you know, all these stupid promos they throw out there where it's like, you know, if you and your friends, 10,000 of your friends bet, we'll move the line by a point. Like they do that for the NFL all the time. Like give me something to save me from myself in these overtime situations. Cause this won't be the last time this season in college basketball, I get burned. Yeah. Overtime insurance is always, uh, it's something that I've always talked about, but why not just, you know, it's just been the norm forever, but how about just regulation lines? Um, there's going to be a book that eventually does that. Right. And um, it's, it's not like you have to, you know, you're for, like for a spread to like, for, if I have a four and a half point underdog, like in that game too, people that bet Gonzaga plus four and a half talk about deserving the cover. They were led to almost the entire game. I, you know, the spread wouldn't change. It was just regulation only. Um, there's going to be a book that eventually gives out spreads and totals that are regulation only like they do for hockey. Um, but yeah, or overtime insurance, which, which you would think because people psychologically would pay for it. You know, you go to a casino and you see it. And then it would also work for the book. Like it works for both sides. Like people would yeah. be willing to pay a little bit more and then the book can increase their margins a little more. So I don't get why they don't do it, but um, yeah, that was a rough one. Also, Aiden Mahaney is going to be a stud. The fact that I'm really concerned about Gonzaga because the fact that they couldn't win that game, I mean, St. Mary's couldn't Logan Johnson. I, I thought he was shaving at one point. I was like, what is this guy doing? He, he couldn't see the rim. Um, and then he fouls out. Mahaney was like one of 10. The fact that, you know, he's a freshman, highly touted kid, like from from right there, and decided to go to St. Mary's over a number of other big schools and potential. I, I think he's going to be a pro. But he, the fact that he's so young, so inexperienced in a huge game, first time playing Gonzaga, and he had, was having an awful night. And the fact that he still was able to, like, get it together and take over, you don't see that a lot from a freshman. But, yeah, Gonzaga has issues. I also – I still – I am a little worried now about the the St. Mary's offense as far as, like, making a deep run. You see these droughts. It's sort of reminiscent of Tennessee, who, by the way, <laughs> needed uh, needed ref help after going th- – after Auburn went 2 of 27 from 3 – Oh my God, that Tennessee offense is a horror show. But I'll save my rant and um and what I learned for a bit. BJ, I'm gonna go to you. You got anything you want to rant about? Yeah, you know it's funny now nowadays when I have you know a child that's under one years old, I I don't have a lot of like free time to sit down you know with myself and work or whatever. You know, it's always just life's very chaotic, and that's just you know that's just life with a small child, but. You know, usually that time for me is Sunday morning. You know, my wife and my son are sleeping. And I was thinking through, I'm like, do I really have a rant or anything to rant about? Like, it was, I, had, I had no case Saturday. Like, there were some times where I got unlucky, but there were times I got really lucky. So I was like, I don't know if I really have a rant. And then I had the Ohio State-Michigan under. 
Oh my God. And uh, I'm going to tell I'm going to say this, like, it's not the worst beat ever because like that game was going over for pretty much the majority of it. And they just kind of stopped scoring down the end, but Michigan <laughs> dribbling the ball out and they just start dancing at mid court and get called for a travel. And then Ohio state goes down, misses a three pointer and he gets a put back and the game goes over. I'll say this. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. I have never seen anything like that before. So that was just a, a good reminder of, just betting college basketball, just these things happen. I also had Tulane Memphis, which uh, went under in regulation, um, but again, lost in overtime. So, yeah, I again, well, well, I, stuck. I just stuck. You're, you're encyclopedic on this. Do you remember? I believe it was a college basketball game where one team was up by three or four. They're on defense. The other team throws a full court pass. They intercept it. And the guy grabs it and then puts his hand up in the air and starts walking off the court and they call traveling. Do you remember that one? Because that's, yes, yep. that's the only thing that comes close for me in terms of the Michigan. Yeah, I don't. I, yes, I do remember that game. I don't remember. I don't remember uh, someone traveling, dribbling the dribbling the clock out. Um, like I remember Kansas Monmouth. Shout the Monmouth for covering for me this weekend when. Pappas, I forget who, but remember he like he stripped the kid. They were down fifty, and he stripped yeah. the Kansas kid, but it didn't impact the spread. And then he dunked it, um, and then like was talking shit. <laughs> they were down like fifty. <laughs> uh, I've seen a couple of those. Like someone strips someone trying to run the clock out, and it's like, what are you doing? Don't be an asshole. But yeah, to call to, to number one to travel, and then number one to, to call it like was insane. And then you knew I was watching it, and then. Because Michigan stopped fouling, and then it's just two Michigan guys. I mean, Ohio State stopped fouling. Two Michigan guys just standing near half court. And, yeah, they just decide to start celebrating and dancing. And then the ref calls traveling. And then you knew um, that Ohio State is going to score. Then they miss the three, get a meaningless offensive rebound, and put back. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't care about the pace of the game. That is brutal because once once you're out at the top near midcourt dribbling it out, yeah. whatever you have loser or winner you're you're counting your money or subtracting your money from your account like that is an insane way to lose so yeah a well well deserved rant um for my rant i'm gonna go i don't i had a really good weekend so i can't complain too much but i'm, I'm gonna go with unc hit an open shot i mean look, they don't score the final three minutes of the game against duke i felt slighted in that game um and yeah so, so there's something and like it just just one open shot they were getting wide open looks and the fact that unc lost that game when leaky black scores like 15 points and hits some threes it's very troubling um i i don't know what is wrong with that unc team um there's something just missing and i thought this was an opportunity for them to turn it on and maybe brady manic was uh, that important I, I i don't know they had no bench Baycott seems a little off. Their guards are still erratic. So I was disappointed in that. I thought UNC once, you know, they there was going to be the onslaught of Duke in the beginning of that game. And then they kind of you know, weathered the storm. And then just at the end of the game, couldn't make an open shot. And uh, I mean, Derek Lively had a hell of a game as far as rim protection was concerned. But yeah, U- UNC to me, I'm way more concerned. And I know, look, they missed some open shots, but just... I keep watching them and it's like, all right, when, when are we going to see w- w- who this team 
the potential that we thought this team was going to tap into and they still haven't. And it's getting late here. It's getting late early as they like to say. So yeah, I was, I was really disappointed at UNC after watch that entire game that they couldn't just make a shot or at least stay in the number at the end of that game. But let's get to something that we learned from the week, the weekend. Uh, Mike, I'll throw it to you. Any key takeaways from any game or just overall? Another thing that BJ and I were talking about that I was on Bama, I think it was laying 10 and a half. So I lost by the hook against LSU. Oh, that was, that was a similar weird, like Bama looked like they had the cover locked up and then LSU gets the ball and comes down and knocks down a three brutal. It it was tough too, because you would think with how well Alabama shot from three in that game, that would have been closer to their first meeting with LSU when they boat raced them by 40 The issue was that they had a 10 or 11 possession streak where they didn't score. And it's one of my, it's nitpicking, but I I think it's fair because Alabama has a chance to be on the one line. So at this point, it's a team that you want to take seriously to win the national title. I have concerns about any of their offense outside of shooting threes because they just kept driving to the hoop and getting rejected. So like they're essentially the, they're the anti UCLA. There's no mid range game whatsoever. They have no interest in, in finding ways to get people open inside the three point arc. So that was just a little something I learned about Bama that concerns me because I would think when they're making 12, 15 threes that they should be crushing just about anybody particularly on the defensive end. They have so much athleticism. Clowney has been great. Um, so there's a lot to like for them. But in general, I think there's so much heat heaped towards Purdue, you know, for being fraudulent. Now that Kansas is in this backside, there's a lot of holes being poked in top 10 resumes. But I still have a little bit of concerns about Alabama and how they're going to translate to trying to potentially win some grinder games, some half-court games in March Madness when they need to be able to run some offense and rely on getting hoops other than, you know, open threes. So that was just, I wouldn't say it was a full learning lesson, but it still has me a little bit concerned. And currently out in the market, they're 10, 11 to one. I think that's a pass for me um, just based on the brand of basketball. That's still a little bit boomer bust for my taste. Yeah. I don't think I would buy anybody this year. That's near 10 to one. Um, BJ, what do you got from the week that was? My big takeaway is that I don't really have a takeaway. And what I mean by that is, you know, with Purdue and Virginia both going down, you know, like you both mentioned on the podcast, like that Indiana spot was one of the best spots of the entire season. And it was funny because I was out with my family on Saturday and they were like, can you believe that Purdue went down to Indiana? And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, we've been talking about how they've been fraudulent for such a long time. And they finally got caught. Um, but, and then, you know, obviously Virginia going down to Virginia tech, which is obviously a very good Virginia tech spot. And I think it kind of highlights a, a bigger picture with betting college basketball. And it's something, you know, have you mentioned stuff, you have, you're like, I can just keep baiting Purdue and I can't beat them. Eventually regression catches up with these teams and fading them does work. And, you know, it's not saying like, if you're betting college basketball and like, you don't like Purdue or whatever, you're just going to blindly fade them every single time. You obviously have to pick your spots, find the right, right opportunity to fade them. And that's what you can do going down the stretch here with college basketball. So, you know, for anybody out there who's maybe betting for the first time and is like, man, I keep fading like X team and I just cannot beat them. Like they're just like my bogey team or whatever. Like eventually you can find a good spot to fade them where regression will catch up if you use all the, you know, advanced analytics and everything like that. So my big takeaway is like, yeah, you know, we saw Indiana kind of taking down Purdue, you know, you obviously stuck you called Virginia tech going down to uh, Virginia beating Virginia. So, you know, as we go forward, 
those spots are going to come up more and more as we get throughout February with so many fraudulent teams throughout the college basketball. Uh, and I think it's just a, it is just a good lesson for people out there that teams regression will eventually hit for some of these teams. Yeah. You want to, you want to be careful just falling, you know, falling in hate. I, I call it with a team where if a team is owned, like is owning you, like don't just keep throwing dead money at it. Um, you have to be smart about it. Sometimes you just have to walk away from a team, um, but you can't get too frustrated by it. Like a lot of times, the most success I have fading teams is when people are telling me like, you're an idiot. Why do we keep fading this team? And usually when that happens, like over the next month, that team doesn't cover, they cover it like a 10% rate. They're probably at the peak of their market value. You can't get too up or down on what you're doing. Like Oklahoma State college football comes to mind this year. There's just every single season, there's a team where early on I'm fading. And then I think that this team's overvalued. You can still like, you could look at Tennessee, right? Tennessee getting pretty lucky. And I think that this team's overvalued. They they cover a couple of games. No one can make a shot. I, I'm I'm going to stick to my guns here. I'm going to keep fading them. Um, and if you do think a team is overvalued generally in the market, then you probably want to fade them a lot. So, yeah, it's a fine line. And that's one of the toughest things about betting college basketball and about the grind of it all um, is just picking those spots and then, deciding okay do i do i really have the conviction to keep fading this team even though they keep screwing me or am i just wrong here right i gotta step back and and really look into this so um my key takeaway and by the way we didn't even talk about the pepperdine portland um bad oh, yeah that finish this? yeah all right there's 0.6 seconds left portland led by one and was they got a flagrant foul on a free throw rebound and then there was like a technical. Both teams got two free throws. Both hit one of two. And Pepperdine got one more possession from the flagrant because Portland got the flagrant. So Pepperdine got the inbound the ball with 0.6 seconds left down one. And they had an inbound pass like under the basket and scored. Now the spread closed at one and a half. But if you had money liner, that was one of the most bizarre endings I've ever seen. As a reminder, before we go any further, college basketball season is in full swing. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and receive first bet insurance up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana. Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. My key takeaway from the week is I'm, and this is going to lead right into the game 
uh, one of the games we might talk about tonight is I'm starting to get a feel. So remember I said 15 to 20 teams. If you're in that mix, then you have a shot to win the national title. I still believe that, but I'm starting to cross off teams. I'm starting to cross off teams that, now this will go into our futures talk throughout the month. This will go into when we finally get a bracket. And then, you know, this year, when you look at it, it's going to look like uh, the, it, what's the the rarest language in the world? I don't know. If you don't speak Chinese, it's going to look like Chinese characters. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's the bracket this year is going to be amazingly difficult. So, but I'm starting to cross off teams. Like I've already made my determination that, and I could be wrong, been wrong many times before that Tennessee's not winning at all because of their offense. I also have, now this one, I'm going to be, maybe I'm, so I'm by myself here and on an Island. I, I don't think Kansas can win at all. I don't I think agree. they, they, they have too many issues. They don't, first of all, they don't have depth and they have nothing inside. Now Jalen Wilson can go, but Benat, like he's so good that he could take over games and the fact that he he's shooting so well. And, but th there are too many, there are too many issues with this team, um, which is going to have a target on its back. And I don't see Kansas going back to back. I have a lot of respect for self. They won't be an easy out, but I, I've watched this team a ton this year. And I think they're ultimately too flawed. Um, so I'm putting Kansas. That's probably my big takeaway. I also am putting UNC. There's something off with UNC. So the two teams that got to the national title last year, I do not think are getting back to the national championship. BJ, you agree on on Kansas, and that's not just uh, sour grapes because they beat. <laughs> no, I I think they're just they're way too reliant on Grady Dick from behind the arc, and if he's having an off shooting night, they just. They can't put up points. And you saw it against Iowa State. They shot the ball terribly. They turned it over a ton. They're way, way too streaky for me. And even the peak of Kansas, like if 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 the pendulum swings the other way, I still don't think they're good enough, even if they get hot during March Madness to beat some of the teams at the top. So we'll see. But I I agree. They're way, way too streaky uh, shooting-wise for me to I, even. I basically, I see it with four bullet points that essentially fortifies Stuckey's original argument. They're mediocre shooting the basketball. They're 109th in shooting efficiency. They send teams to the line way too much, 237th in uh, opponent foul shot attempts per game. And then they, you you mentioned it, they get killed on the glass. They're 209th in offensive rebounds allowed. And then finally, on top of all of it, you would think like maybe they could tighten things up when they have the basketball. They're sloppy with, with the Rock, 173rd in turnovers per game. That's just like, that's too many marks against them where it's like you can't get killed on the glass and get killed in the turnover margin and struggle shooting from the field like eventually it's not just a rough schedule like we can't just smooth everything over and say well the big 12 so good so they're all good it's like good is a relative term and i agree with you I, I would probably be shocked if they made it past the you know the sweet 16 at this point in the season yeah yeah and like the, you mentioned dick like they're in their how important he is shooting wise to their offense but teams have realized that right and they're just completely taking away his three and they are up in his face and, and there's no interior there's not like a they don't have great post play so you can really go out and take away the three and not really worry about that i mean here's grady dick the last what kansas is two and four the last six games 
He's gone one of eight from this is from three, one of eight, two of eight, two of five, one of five, one of three, one of four. Like teams have caught on to that. They also the depth that is really concerning. There's no reliable bench. So then you worry about that, especially in the Big 12 gauntlet. You worry about that coming down the stretch the rest of the way. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna throw I'm Kansas is in my can't win it. You gotta have some conviction there. So so is Tennessee. And I'm throwing North Carolina in there. North Carolina, I don't have in my top 15 to 20, but this is a team that they got there last year. They have a ton of talent, but there's there's too many issues, especially in the defensive end. And they also can't shoot and they also don't have a bench. So similar to Kansas, similar stories there uh, on both ends. But let's move on to Monday night. And it's a bit of a lackluster card. To say the least, we do have Kansas hosting Texas. Now, this line is getting up to mm, four. It's a great spot for Kansas. Like I said, they're at home. They are still absolutely dynamite. They've lost four of six. This is a best effort game. But some of those issues that they have, Texas knows. Texas is still a very well-coached team. This line keeps going up. I'm going to be looking at Texas we also have Duke Miami. Miami two and a half point favorite here at home seems a little cheap to me. It's also a great spot. Duke with that very emotional win over North Carolina on Saturday night. Now this is a Monday quick turnaround going to Miami, who has an excellent offense in backcourt. Um, this is still a Duke team that I think is a bit flawed. The offense is a bit raw. They benefited from North Carolina missing a ton of open looks. So. At two and a half, I think it's Miami or nothing. Mike, let me throw it to you. Got any thoughts on either one or both of those games? Yeah, I'm going to be on Texas plus the points. Uh, I may sprinkle on the money line. Um, I agree that this is an absolute best effort. You know, you, you have to defend your home floor and try to pull out of this tailspin. So so Kansas is going to put forth their, their best play. But really, I mean, I, I don't know. The, the metrics to me, I think, are – indicating just where Kansas is at this point in the season. And I, I, I can't buy on them. The one I like more though, is the under under 146 in Duke against Miami. These are two good under teams in a, in ACC play. And then when you look at Duke on short rest coming in, they're already a plotting team. This is one of the slowest Duke teams I can ever remember watching. They're 288th in possessions per game. And Miami's not exactly, you know, a jackrabbit either. They're 165th. So when you pair that with how well, Duke has defended the rim. I think this just becomes a, a variance game where do either team catch fire from three? Because if they don't, I think this total is inflated by about four or five points. So I'll go ahead and play under 146. BJ, any thoughts? Yeah, I, on the Duke thing, it's interesting because that game specifically is a huge height mismatch because Miami's tallest starter is six foot seven, and they're a very, very bad defensive rebounding team because they don't really have that type of height while Duke can just absolutely crash the offensive glass with the best of them. They have two seven-footers. So, like, if you look at the last time they faced off, you know, if you look at the shot quality numbers, like Miami should have scored 12 more points at the rim. Well, (laughs) they were facing two seven-footers. So it's like shots are a lot harder at the rim to get there. So, and Duke did grab out 16 offensive rebounds in that game as well. But the line has crashed too much yet. Like you said, it's a little too cheap. It's a good Miami spot, so I'm probably passing on that one. I'm actually going to go in the under in the Texas-Kansas game for all the things we've mentioned with Kansas's, you know, shooting aggression and how streaky they are. They're also, you know, Texas is one of the highest transition frequency teams in the country. And Kansas is, you know, 
average at defending in transition. Now we're only talking about 10, you know, 10% of the possessions per game. But, you know, the flip side is Kansas, even though they've been pretty streaky shooting the ball, they've been very, very good at defending in the half court. Like they're second in the Big 12 in points per possession allowed in half court during conference play. They've been very good at defending inside, which basically is a lot of where Texas likes to go, a lot of inside, a lot of mid-range jumpers. And Texas, you know, if Kansas continues to turn the ball over at this rate, I mean, Texas is a top 30 team at forcing turnovers. So I think what you'll see is, that, yeah, the game's going to be played in, in transition quite often, but you also have, you know, Texas, who's very, very good defending in transition as well. So, uh, you know, both these off, uh, both these offenses too are, are near the bottom in the big 12 and offensive rebounding percentage. So there's not gonna be a lot of second chance points. And, and Texas is also a very streaky shooting team themselves. So, uh, I do like the under given there's not gonna be that many second chance points to streaky shooting teams. And even though, you know, the pace might be a little bit faster than normal, two teams are still good at defending in transition. So I like the under in that, in that big 12 clash. Yeah. I would also say for, for Kansas, Texas, something to keep in mind it, on spots like this, like if you like the dog and it's, you know, it's a short road dog and it's a team that, you know, and you're not, you're like, ah, it's just, I wish I was getting five, six, right. And it's a smash home spot, like just from a situationally in a, in front of a raucous crowd, which tonight will obviously be, you can always say to yourself and, and you can, you don't have to make the decision one time or the other. Well, let me first say this. You could, you could say to yourself, let me look live, right? Let me see if Candace comes out in front of the home crowd, all juiced up, and they go up 10 nothing, right? You, you can see this. Texas calls a timeout. They settle down. They get into it. So you can go into the game looking for your live spot. You also can – you don't have to make the choice one or the other. You could say, all right, say you're normally $100 better, and you're like, all right, instead of betting $100 on Texas, maybe I'll put 50 on them pregame. And then maybe I'll look to see if I can get 50 on them live if I think Kansas is going to come out um, and with a, with a hot start, which they may. But I think ultimately Texas is seasoned enough where they can kind of withstand that run, get back into this game. And then I think it's going to be a grind down to the end. Um, all right, let's get to Monday night overall. We have some swaction. I don't know if, Mike, you're bringing any swaction winners, but what's your best bet on sites card? If it's not a swaction winner, do you have any – potential selection looks yeah it, it pains me to say but with it being a limited card and the jackson state game is the one i had circled and i think that the fact that they're four and a half point favorite that's just about right i was hoping i could get like six six and a half with the golden lions with arkansas pine bluff but the fact that i i don't i, I don't want to try to force it like you said it's it's early february there's plenty of games to be bet on so i don't want to jump the gun here so essentially, I would say unless you can get five or better, that should be a pass. Do you have a best bet tonight? Uh, honestly, I think it's going to be the the under in the Miami Duke game. Um, okay. That that's the one that I like the best. Uh, like I said, under one forty six and everything that BJ got into in terms of Duke's size to be able to limit second chance opportunities for the Canes. I think this game's going to be played in the high sixties and not the seventies. BJ, what you got tonight? I'll do a swaction best bet. Why not? Yeah. Um, swaction. Can we get serious now? Serious now. Serious. Alabama AM catching three and a half at home against Grambling State. You're getting Grambling on a back to back here. Alabama AM just took out Southern, who's at the top of the conference. And the thing about it is, is like if you go on Ken Palm, you look at Alabama AM's metrics, like they're th- they're 327th in the country. But if you just filter it for conference play, 
they actually haven't been that bad. Like they're fifth in both offensive and defensive efficiency offensively. They're, you know, they're shooting pretty well from inside the arc. Like they're, they're not turning the other, they're not turning the ball. They are turning the ball over at a pretty high rate, but Grambling's dead last in the conference at turning the ball over or forcing turnovers. And the flip side of that is Grambling. They turn the ball over to high rate Alabama A&M's third in the conference there. Uh, the Alabama A&M defense, they're, they're 11th in the swag from defending three pointers, but Grambling doesn't take a lot of three pointers. So I think this is a good home spot, you know, back to backs at home for Alabama and M Grambling, you know, on back to back road games. So uh, give me Bulldogs in normal Alabama tonight against Grambling. Good stuff there. I'm glad we got a, a swaction bet in. I'm going to give, let's go with, here's, a, here's my favorite spot on tonight's card. Yeah. Let's go with Northern Colorado. Who's been, Pretty dreadful this year. They are what plus one at home against Weber State, who I think is overperformed. This offense has major issues. They just beat Idaho State on the road in double overtime on Saturday night. And now, two days later, they go to Greeley and face Northern Colorado. Greeley's probably like what 5,000 feet, so you got elevation here. This is their fourth straight road game off a one-point double overtime win um, at Idaho State in Pocatello, and now you're going to Greeley two days later uh, for your fourth straight road game to end a road trip before you play the Montanas at home later this week. So I think this is a super good spot to get Northern Colorado at home. Who's lost three straight on the road. Now they're coming home. This is your prototypical buy low, sell high on the Bears who play no defense. But I think you're going to have leg issues here for Weber. So give me the Bears. So we got some swaction, some ACC unders, and some terrible, a terrible team in uh, the big sky. So we got to kind of got to cut it all covered on a horrible Monday card, but I do think it's a great spot for Northern Colorado. I don't I'll, know. Go, I'll go ahead and, and second that stuff. Okay. Um, I just, in terms of, I play college fancy basketball with all 363 teams and Northern Colorado's had a player all year, Dalton Necht, K N E C H T. And this guy can really fill it up. And he's coming off one of his worst games in the big sky for the whole season. He's somebody who can go for 30 plus. So another buy low moment, for, uh, you know, for Northern Colorado in this spot. I agree with you. I, I think they're a team that can catch fire, at least offensively. And they have at least one offensive engine to go to. So I, I kind of like that play. Mike, yeah, who's, cool, the best cool. coll- who's the best college fantasy basketball player this year? Oh, this year it is Zach Eady, without Eady. a doubt. Um, on I don't know if there was like a small conference guy. Ace Smith always goes bananas. Yeah. He's probably up there. And by the way, Oral Roberts is good. Like, and they're that I I lost on them on Saturday. I had UMKC, who played them really tough at Oral. They again, they win by thirty plus. Um, this team plays more defense than that Oral Roberts team that we saw make a run in the tournament. And Ace Smith obviously can go bananas. Or Roberts, they better win that conference tournament. We better get uh, one last Acemas run in, or at least a game um, in the tournament. But ahead, uh, Mike, who else? Who, who are your, who are the fantasy stars in college this year? Who, uh, so he obviously goes bananas. Yeah, if we want to go real, real deep on the board, uh, Trent Masner from Western Illinois. Western Illinois, he's been going yeah. crazy lately. Go fighting Leathernecks. 
Um, a guy in the league ha- actually has Admus and uh, and Masner in his backcourt. And the other one that always stands out to me is Drew Pember from UNC Asheville. Yeah, he goes, he goes up for 48 recently. Yeah, he, he puts up absolutely insane numbers. Um, and then the, uh, the, the wing from Santa Clara, um, I, I can never pronounce his last name. Bill, uh, Budninsky, he's a, he's a, uh, yeah. Illinois transfer and the, and Drew Pember is, uh, a Tennessee transfer. And yeah, I think it's Pudzimski. I, I, I always, I struggle to say his name too, but that's who you're talking about, right? Yep. That's what I'm talking about. And then the last one I would say, um, he's actually on my father's team, uh, Darius McGee from Liberty because Liberty plays in this, you know, joke conference. So he could potentially go for 40 plus at any point, you know, down the stretch. So yeah, essentially to win in this league, you need to have over 50% composition of mid-major guys. Cause once again, in the conference play, particularly the bigs, these guys can have, you know, 25 and 15 games every other night. Yeah, Liberty all went down to Lipscomb uh, this weekend, which is surprising. But this, that Liberty team is good. They grind games out. They play their pack line D, well coached by Richie McKay. And, and McGee is in the gym range, as they say. Tennessee, I think Tennessee could use Pember, though. I mean, like, that's they someone that can get his own shot. And, um, yeah, he's he's fun to watch. He's like a – he's he's a he looks like a – you would never – he looks like a big, and he's not – you, you wouldn't think that he's just this guy that goes for 40 plus on any given night, but he's fun to watch. So yeah, those are some fun names to check out on uh, your ESPN plus if you got nothing going on. But um, yeah, I think Northern Colorado is the spot tonight and that'll do it for us guys from the three men. We've will be back midweek. We will be back later in the week with the weekend preview. We'll record that on Thursday early evening thanks for tuning in thanks as always to bj and mike thanks to our audio and video team thanks to all of you obviously for tuning in make sure you subscribe unsubscribe tell a friend tell an enemy and good luck on all of your wagers it's february march will be here let's get hot and close out these final two months strong enjoy the hoops tonight make sure you leave a review five star say whatever you want we'll do some giveaways either later this week or next Thanks again, and we'll catch y'all later. Cheers. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.